Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me to safe by
We're going to do the next one. It's going to be Good, Good Father. I'll give you guys a break, but sing it out with us if you know it.
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Amen. Thank you, Hannah, for that special music. Ricky on strings again. Good job. Good morning, and hope that you've had a great week, and uh, hope that you've been blessed by the Lord this week to have an opportunity to minister to folks with, uh, around about you and encourage them. And I believe the, word, the Lord has a word for each and every one of us this morning. If you'll turn with me uh, as we are coming to the last chapter in our study of 1 Corinthians, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning, and we're going to be looking at these first four verses this morning as we look at the subject of giving a spiritual act of worship. And so as you're turning there in your Bibles, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the time of worship that we've already experienced. And Lord, now excited about how you want to speak to us and um, on this matter of giving and the opportunity that giving is, Lord, it's a blessing to be able to give. Uh, Lord, it's one of the blessings that you have given to us, that we get to join you in, in the work of ministry and missions, Lord, just as a child gets excited about the opportunity to finally go and, and to work with Daddy in the yard or, or in a building project or, or whatever, wherever Dad may be. Lord, in that same way, you're saying, come along, children. I want you to join me in the work that I'm doing, and I want you to be active in it. I want you to have uh, an impact in the world, and you get to join me in that. And so, Lord, I, I'm so thankful for the privilege that you give me to be able to give. And I pray that each and every one of us would see it in that same way today. But Lord, I also know that we've got some folks with us this morning, friends that are lost and they don't yet know you as Savior and Lord. And so I pray that as we spend time focused on your word, that Lord, even now you would be speaking to them about their need for salvation and Lord, that they might give their heart and life over to you before this service ends. Lord, that they would know that they are your child. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A lot of times I think our kids are, are you know, kind of funny to us because they're so much like us many of the time. Uh, they act just like us so much of the time. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to get Liz Kate ready for school by myself because uh, Robin's already at work. And so that's a very interesting two days for me uh, as a daddy. And so I get to do all the hair fixing and all the dressing and stuff, and Robin's figured out she better lay everything out or that child will leave with some very strange outfits on. But uh, I've gotten a little better as, as long as it's hanging right there and I know exactly what to put on her. Uh, but on, one of the other things I get to do is I get to try to feed that little girl. And that's not always an easy thing to do. And so this past Thursday, um, I was getting out something for me to eat. We were running a little late, and so I grabbed one of those little, little bite muffin things where they have these four tiny little muffins. That was supposed to be my breakfast. And so I open it up, and Liz Kate says, share with me, Daddy? <laughs> and I said, okay. And so I gave her a muffin. She said, no, share with me, meaning I want the entire thing. <laughs> so uh, I laid it out there, and, and to my amazement, she ate the first three, and she took a bite out of the fourth one, and then she handed me a leftover bite, 
And she said, I show with daddy. <laughs> and she was so proud of that bite that she had shared with daddy. And I think our view of our own generosity is oftentimes just like that. God has blessed us so richly. He has given us so many good things. And so often all that we give God are the leftovers. And so the story is told of a little girl who became restless in church as the preacher's sermon dragged on and on. Aren't you glad that you don't have a preacher like that? Um, But she was getting a little restless. And finally, she leaned over to her mother and she whispered, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will you let us go? (laughs) Sometimes we, we have that same view as adults, I think. But here in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul moves from the resurrection to some practical matters that he wants to wind up as he uh, finishes this letter to the Corinthians. And after covering sin of all sorts, uh, the sins of of division and immorality and laxity and lawsuits and and marriage and Christian liberty, then speaking towards the worship issues of of proper appearance and the Lord's Supper and spiritual gifts and love, and then following what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, the resurrection, he now addresses the issue of giving. And this particular reference is towards a collection that the church at Corinth has been instructed to, to gather together for the church in Jerusalem that was under great persecution and in great need. And so it's going to help this poverty-stricken church, these poverty-stricken saints in Jerusalem. And so Paul says that he is going to stop by and that he's going to pick up this offering And he didn't want to have to collect it when he arrived. He wanted it to already have been collected. He wanted to give them plenty of time to be able to give in an organized way. And so I believe this passage gives us some principles that apply to all of our giving, even here at Brinesburg in 2019. And so if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 16, let's read these first four verses. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the church at Galatia, even so do ye. Unto the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, and there be no gathering when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. You may be seated. When we look at verse 2, the first thing we see is it was associated with worship. This giving was associated with worship. (coughs) Excuse me. It seems clear here that by this time, by A.D. 55, that the first day of the week, Sunday, had become the day of worship for the early church. This is when the early believers were gathering together for a corporate time of worship. And so during the meeting, it also seems custom that... Uh, they were to have a time of offering. That that had become a part of their spiritual act of worship. And so one account says that the normal practice in some churches was to bring a food offering first to share a meal and then to take some of the remainder of that meal to the homebound, to widows and to orphans, and then that the money gift would be taken. And it was distributed to the deacons as they went. 
And so another principle that is found here is that giving was regular. It is indicated here uh, to be weekly, uh, but Justin Martyr in, in 150 AD said that some of the churches practiced monthly giving. But when Paul knew, uh, what Paul knew here, though, uh, was the principle that it's much easier for folks to give um, $100 a week than it is for them to give uh, $5,200 at the end of a year. It's just easier if we have a routine of giving on a regular basis. And so another principle was that the gift was to the church treasury. That is the connotation here uh, of, of the word that is used And the only thing that would make sense from Paul's last comment in this verse about not having to collect all the money when he arrived was that it was to be given to the church treasury. Um, In other words, there was no last-minute superficial scraping together of funds as an unplanned, off-the-cuff gesture. That this was planned. And so I know that that was a blessing for me when I learned how to tithe. Uh, I was saved at the age of nine. And from the age of nine um, on, I knew that it was important for me to be able to give, that that was a part of worship. And so let's say um, I mowed a yard and I got paid $20. I knew that $2 of that were immediately going to, to the Lord's work because it was his. There was no question about it. And that was a joy to me. I, I had a great joy of finally being able to give uh, out of what the Lord had blessed me with, and not just simply giving something that my parents had handed to me and said, you can give this, but there was something special, even as a child, of learning the, the, the blessing of being able to give. Um, there was a joy because I was able to be a part of that corporate time of worship in that way. But also we see that giving is an act of worship. Um, as, I, as I tell tell you all the time, and especially as um, young couples go through premarital counseling, I always explain to them that giving, um, tithing, is not a bill. It's not a bill. You're not paying God. That's not what you're doing. You are honoring your relationship as an act of thanksgiving and as an act of trust. And attitude is extremely important in Christian giving. Giving cheerfully and from a heart of love is critical to attaining the benefits of giving and honoring the Lord who has given us all. Giving cheerfully and recognizing this is a blessing. I get to do this, and it should be a joy because I get to be a part of what all the blessings that God is pouring out here. And so I, I thank the Lord for that opportunity. And so also why and how you give is important. Why and how do you give? Uh, make a habit of regular and routine giving in your life. Make that uh, just a habit of, of who you are. That's a part of what you do. We have several um, of our homebound um, members of the church, and I praise the Lord for their faithfulness. That as, as much as possible, they watch our services, and they're probably watching right now, um, but also they give. Uh, they mail in because they want to be a part of, of that aspect of worship, of I'm still a part of what God is doing. I may not be able to get out as I used to. I may, may not be able to do all the things that I used to be able to do, but I can still be a part of prayer. I can still be a part of worship, and I can still be a part of giving. And what an honor that is for them, and, and they're thankful for it. Um, and we, we should give and allow the church to determine where that money goes. We as a church vote on a budget at the beginning of each church year. And that budget includes ministry, and it includes missions, and it includes discipleship and fellowship and worship and compensation uh, for our church staff. And we pray over that budget every year. We, we, we spend a lot of time in praying over that. 
and asking God to allow those dollars to stretch and that they might do more um, than we even think that they can do, that he would stretch those and allow us to do more missions and more ministry than we even think that we can do. And and we really pray over that that budget and and the dollars that people are going to give in the coming year. And that's why each week we remind you that giving truly is an exercise in trust in the Lord. We give and we say, God, you do what you will with this. Don't, I'm not going to direct it. I'm not going to try to uh, still hang on to control of it. I give it to you and I trust you with it. But secondly, also there in verse 2, participation, it seems, was expected. Participation was expected. Note the language of giving here. Every one of you. Isn't that interesting? There were no exceptions. And that's interesting because of some of the people that Paul was writing to here. But he says, every one of you, everyone is supposed to give. From the richest to the poorest, everybody was supposed to give. Even slaves and widows gave in the early church, neither of which had any income. But they still gave. Jesus is illustration of the widow's might. She didn't have it to give. She gave anyway. Everyone can give. In fact, even today, in American Christianity, the, true, the two groups in the United States that give the highest percentage of their income are the poor, those who are making $20,000 or less per year, and the rich, those who are making $100,000 or more per year. But middle-class Americans, those making between $40,000 and $100,000 per year, are the smallest percentage of givers in our nation. Smallest percentage. Giving, though, here was voluntary in the sense that it was not a tax. It was not optional, but voluntary. Many of the early church leaders did not advocate tithing in the sense, uh, in the Jewish sense of of the word tithing. Uh, and, And you say, well, what do you mean by that, Brother Brad? What do you mean they didn't, did they not support that well? Giving was not mandated, but rather it was expected. As individual church members, we covenant together to voluntarily contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the expenses of the church ministry and missions and the relief of the poor and the spread of the gospel. We covenant together that we are going to do that as a church family. In the other church, giving was primarily intended for the poor among the church. The widows, orphans, homebounds, uh, survivors, ministers and missionaries, the sick and the imprisoned. And I praise the Lord uh, that I'm a Southern Baptist uh, because I believe we have the greatest uh, giving mechanism um, that the church has ever found, the opportunity to partner together with our sister churches and to do more together than we can do apart. And that is called the cooperative program. And as Southern Baptists, we don't give to the cooperative program. We give through the cooperative program. We give through that we might be able to do more in missions and ministry with our sister churches than we can do by ourselves, and it's all voluntary. And so here at Brinesburg, we presently give 24% of all undesignated offerings through the cooperative program, joining our sister Southern Baptist churches and doing more together than we could ever dream of doing by ourselves. And so these gifts are used by the Southern Baptist Convention entities to send and support missionaries to every nation through the International Mission Board, to all 50 states and and Canada and and to many other parts of North America, 
through the North American Mission Board, to train pastors and missionaries and other church leaders through our six world-renowned seminaries. And I say world-renowned because all six of our Southern, Southern Baptist seminaries are in the top ten of all seminaries in the world. That's a pretty amazing thing. And you support that through your giving. You're training the best of the best when it comes to preachers and missionaries and church leaders. We provide relief for retired ministers and widows. We, we are able to address social and moral and ethical concerns related to our faith and families. And all that is done through your giving. And so it's all channeled in a way that we can do more than we can do a part. God takes those dollars and he stretches them. And so the rest of your giving then helps us to minister here in Marshall County, as well as sending our own mission teams through the, through the state of Kentucky and, and, and throughout our entire nation and, and literally to the world. Again, this summer, you'll be sending another team, a, a pretty large team of, uh, of your own church members back to Brazil. And so when you give, you are a part of all of that. You're a part of training preachers and missionaries. You're a part of sending missionaries. You're a part of, of ministering to the poorest of the poor. You're a part of every aspect of that because of your faithful giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Only one-third to one-half of U.S. church members financially support their church in any way. And only 3 to 5% of those who do give some amount of money actually tithe, which is 10% of their income. Only 3 to 5%. And so what Paul says here, when it came to this giving, he says no gimmicks, no pressure, no emotions. A need was, was there and needed to be met, and the Corinthians were capable of playing a role in it, and here's your opportunity, give. That's what Paul said. Here's the need, here's the opportunity to give, Meet the need. Join God in the work that he is doing. And I praise the Lord that here at Brinesburg, we have a high percentage of tithing members. Actually, you guys are really strange. Nobody else is like you. <laughs> I talk to other pastors, and they're just amazed at what Brinesburg is able to do. It's because I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You tithe. And we're able to do more. We're able to do more than churches that run 1,000 people on Sunday mornings because you tithe. That's why we can send mission teams to Brazil. That's why we can send a mission team to, to Montana. That's why we can be a part of everything that we're a part of, because you faithfully give. Most of you. Most of you. However, some of you simply don't give. Enough said. You just don't give. And if you're a member... And not only is your lack of giving an offense to God, who gave you everything, but it is a breach of your integrity because you are breaking your covenant that you made with other church members here at Brown's Baptist Church, that you would join in this work of ministry together and faithfully give. You're missing out on spiritual growth and other blessings in your life because of your disobedience and saying, Lord, I know you've called me to give, but I'm simply just not going to do it. And church, I want you to hear me say something. This is not coming out of a financial crisis. This is coming because I preached through the Bible. We are at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, so I'm preaching on it. We are in a great place financially. 
we, again, you give. Most of you give faithfully. So we are not in any kind of financial crisis of any kind. We are doing very well financially because God has blessed and because you've been faithful. As a church at large, you've been faithful givers. Our budget is in very good shape, so don't hear me say something that I'm not saying. But my point here is that you miss out on sharing in the blessing when you disobediently refuse to tithe and join the Lord in the work that he's doing. The only way that you receive the blessing from all the church is doing is when you've been a part of it, when you've been a, a prayer warrior, when you've been giving, when you've, when you've put some sweat equity into it. But you need to be a part of all of it. That's what it means to be a member. And there are so many blessings to be had. But then also there in verse 2, thirdly, I want you to see the amount related to blessing. The amount related to blessing. Most early church fathers felt like tithing was not required. Rather, they felt like um, if, if Jesus said our righteousness is to exceed that of the Pharisees, that we should give more than 10%. They felt like we should be much more than simply tithers. New Testament giving was sacrificial. It was related to theology in the understanding that God owns everything, that it is all his. 100% of it is the Lord's. And as the owner of it, he is the one with a plan of how it is to be used. And so Arrhenius, the early church father, said, and for this reason they, meaning the Jews, had in, indeed the tithe of their goods consecrated to him. But those who have received liberty set aside all of their possessions for the Lord's purpose, bestowing joyfully and freely not the less valuable portions of their property, since they have the hope of better things. They saw it as an opportunity to say, God, I trust you. It's all yours anyway, and I just trust you with it. You do what you will. Praise the Lord for that kind of, of following of the Lord's command. But the principle is that giving should be in proportion to income. So all gave some, but those that God had blessed more should give more. And so another New Testament principle is that giving should be sacrificial. It should cost us something. If you're giving, if you don't ever feel you're giving, then, then you're probably not giving enough. That's the way that the early church would have seen it. If you're giving and you can't feel anything from it, if it's comfortable giving, then you're probably not giving in a true act of worship. Our giving should be sacrificial. There should be a cost to it. We see David says in 2 Samuel 24, 24, And the king said to Arunah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which, which doth cost me nothing. And so David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David said, I will not give an offering that has cost me nothing. Because if I do, it's pointless. If it costs me nothing, then it's not true worship. The illustration is given of after being away on business, a man thought it would be nice to bring his wife a little gift home. And so he said, how about some perfume? He asked the cosmetic clerk, and so she showed him a nice bottle of perfume costing $50. And he said to her, well, that's a, that's a, little, that's a little too much. Um, can you show me something a little, a little less? And so she brought out a little bit smaller bottle, and it was $30. And he said, whoa, that's still quite a bit. 
And he complained a little bit about that. And so growing annoyed, the clerk brought out finally the smallest bottle of perfume she had. And it was $15. And he looked at that and he said, you know, what I really mean, I guess, to say is, can you bring me, can you let me look at something really cheap? And so the clerk went to the back and she brought out a mirror. Sometimes that's how we are with the Lord. Could I be just a little cheaper? Could I be just a little cheaper? The Lord says, do you not understand what this is? This is a relationship, and, and I've done everything. Can I see that you are really in this, that you really want to be a part of what I'm doing? J.D. Rockefeller said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I had ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. I don't believe, C.S. Lewis says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Sacrificial giving. 10% is a good place to start, though. If you need a number, 10% is a good place to start. If you need accountability, ask someone to help you be accountable to that. And one reminder, God doesn't need your money. Again, that's what we have to understand. God doesn't need our money. After an accident, two men found themselves stranded on a deserted island in the sea. And the first man looked at the other quite dumbfounded on Sunday morning and he asked, What difference does that make? We're on an island with no food and no water. We're going to die here. What, why are you doing that? And the second man answered, You just don't get it. I make $100,000 a week, and I tie 10% of that $100,000 a week. If I don't give, my pastor will find me. Brinesburg, understand, God is not broke. That's not what our tithing is about. We don't give because God is broke. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. But it is as though... All you have is his. And so a steward, a a faithful steward, does what the master wants him to do with the master's possessions. And so just to let you know, God is just as concerned about the 90% as he is about the first 10%. God cares how we deal with our finances, all of our finances. And so do you really believe what you say you believe about God? That's That's where it comes down to When it comes to tithing, do you really believe what you say you believe about God? Do you really believe that he controls it all, he owns it all, it's all his? Do you really believe that he can take care of your every need? Do you really believe that he is sovereignly in control of everything? Do you really believe that? Do you think that way? Ask God how much that you should give and trust him with it. Better yet, ask God how much you should keep. That's sometimes the better question. How much do I really need to keep? And how much do I just need to say, God, I'm going to trust you with this, knowing that you can do way more with it than I can? Paul's desire was to allow the Corinthians the opportunity to get in on the blessing of ministry to these struggling saints in Jerusalem. They could join in on the blessing or they could be left out. Brinesburg, I don't want any of you to be left out. I don't want anybody to be left out on the opportunity to be blessed through the the act of worship, which is called giving. Has the Lord spoken this morning to your heart in the area of of faithful stewardship? 
Maybe you recognize that you haven't been as faithful as you need to be. And you need to just maybe repent this morning. Maybe you, you recognize that you have been, but, but you say, you know what? I, I think I could do even more. I, I think I could sacrifice even more because I really believe that that's the place where the Lord's blessed me. That I have the spiritual gift of giving. That I can do that. And the Lord wants me to give more. If that's you, then, then do that. If everyone in the church tithes, if everybody in the church the Lord had called to give sacrificially above and beyond what they're already giving, gave that. Imagine what more we could do as a church. Because this is a church that sees itself as a conduit. We just say, God, whatever you give, we're just going to push it straight out into ministry and missions. When you give, God does more. He just does more. And he's able to use us as a church family to do that. Is, is he going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish? Yes, but I want to be a part of it. I want to get to be a part of, of meeting that need. I want to get to be a part of sending those missionaries onto the field. I want to be a part of, of, of meeting the needs of, of the hungry and the needy within our community. I want our church to be that church. And so maybe the Lord's called you to be an answer to prayer in somebody's life. But even more important question is, have you done the first act of obedience? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you in a personal love relationship with him? You see, you're never going to understand the importance of giving if you've never come into relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, if you recognize that if you're just really honest, you'd have to say, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a personal one. I know facts. I know figures about him. But I don't know him in a personal way. He doesn't know me in a personal way. If that's you this morning, would you come? Would you say, yes, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ today? If that's the, if that's the decision that you need to make, I pray you would come. I pray that you would accept him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to make this your church home. If that's you, well, you, know, you may say, well, I don't know what all to do. I don't know what all the hoops are to jump through. You just come, and we'll, we'll answer any questions you have. But we want you to be plugged into what God's doing here at Brinesburg. How's the Lord calling you? What's he, what's he asking you to be a part of? Will you be obedient? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we do thank you for the opportunity to be a part of the blessing of giving. Lord, the blessing of being a part of, of being a faithful tither and recognizing that when we give that, Lord, that you take it and you multiply it and you do it and you use those, those gifts in a great and a mighty way. Lord, as a church family, we're so thankful for the financial blessings that you've given us that we don't have some of the struggles of, of other churches that don't know how they're going to be able to send a mission team because they just don't have the funds or they don't know how they're going to be able to, to minister to kids or to youth or to the senior adults because they just don't have the money. Lord, you've blessed us. And I truly believe that's because of the faithfulness of, of this church family in, in the area of giving. And so, Lord, I just pray that you might continue to help us to see how we can give more, how we can be more sacrificial so that, Lord, we can do more for your name and so that the nations might be able to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time of commitment now. Lord, whatever the needs may be, whatever decisions need to be made, Lord, I pray that we be obedient. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. 
You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.